When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for the second of our bi-week roster evaluations. This one on the offense. If you missed that first episode, you really want to go back and download that. Brian McFarlane, one of my favorite guests to have on the show, uh, gave us a wealth of information, including stuff about Trayvon Mullen. I did not know the difference between an Andrew Vorey's NFI and an NFI for David Ajabo. Uh, a number of other things as well in there, but Brian, how you doing? Good, good, Ken. How are you? Great to have you back on for part two of this. We talk a little bit about the offense. Uh, uh, remind people that uh, we have the five categories: young producers, developmental, market ca- ca- market value veterans, cap value concerns, and transitional players who probably don't have a role necessarily on the twenty four team. Uh, but five five levels of production relative to the cap. Um, that that we're looking at, and uh, Brian and I've done now the show for what about three or four years now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. All kinds of fun. So the young producer category here, uh, four guys on the offensive side. Who would you like to start with? Yeah, I mean the um, obviously I think you know Linderbaum's a, a cornerstone. Flowers looks like he's going to be hopefully finally break the the somewhat of the jinx they've had with wide receivers. Keaton Mitchell looks like an absolute steal of an undrafted free agent. I love Bateman. I wish, I wish, I wish he could take off. I feel like it seems like every couple games, it seems like this is the one, this is the game. He makes a couple of plays. I saw a stat that, um, and I'm not sure where it was from because it was somebody had reposted a picture, but he's faced a single coverage more than most and he's open more than yep. most in single coverage. Uh, but for some reason, and I mean, you know, he's had his drops. I mean, the Pittsburgh drop in the end zone was just inexcusable. And they win the game if he catches that ball, probably, you know, um, and they win the game going away if they, if they if several of them catch the ball. Um, so, so I just, I really, really would like to see him take off. But at this point, you know, the, the fifth year options out the window. So between you know, the end of this year and next year, he's got to put it together. So Bateman, a guy, I love him too, by the way. Um, I think he's actually being hurt by the Ravens bad tackle play this year. I think in particular, the fact that Ronnie Stanley has given up a lot of fairly quick pressures has meant that he can't 
work his magic at the top of the route as often as he has been able to. Because Bateman is the best route runner on the team, other than maybe Beckham. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beckham's certainly one of the best in the last decade, but Bateman has a little bit more, I think, natural uh, juice in the tank right now than, than, sure. than Beckham has. Um, I would love to see that become a reality. I saw the same graph you did in terms of the separation and the and uh, uh, you know the, the number of times he's faced man coverage. Uh, it doesn't happen that often with the Ravens that they get to face man coverage, but you also face some hybrid coverages where Bateman may have man and the you know a, a, a portion of the remainder of the defense is playing zone or spying or whatever it may be uh, to try and keep Jackson under control. And uh, you know, I, I I guess the question I have for you is. Is there a hope that they could get Bateman to a multi-year deal at some point between the end of year three and hitting free agency in year four when I think his market value is going to end up being realized, unfortunately, on another team? Yeah, um, probably not because, you know, uh, he's got the first round pedigree, but he certainly hasn't played like it. So I, I, you know, if he wants to maximize his next contract, I don't think he wants to take a, a two or three year and all of a sudden break out next year. Um, Cause that's what he's got to be hoping for now. At this point, he's hoping, probably hoping I don't get the fifth year option, which is probably unlikely. And anyway, it's going to be a very well realized hope, but, and then he just lights it up next year. Um, but I don't think he's going to, I think he'd be from his perspective. I would think he's better off, you know, going through you know finishing the contract and then hoping that happens as opposed to potentially giving up his years five and six on a, a you know minor deal with the ravens and he explodes and he's being underpaid i mean i what is there a middle ground on say a four-year deal at 10 million per year that bateman says oh boy you know i'm i haven't played that well so far and you know i don't think athletes generally think this way they if they think of themselves as being indestructible enough to play football of course yeah. they, they you know often think highly of their own ability but sure um could he be talked into it by his agent in terms of uh you know 40 million for four years is a lot better than you know you taking a 30 percent chance at 80 million over over four years and right and- i mean it's possible and obviously you know last off season was bumpy between he and the team so um, I don't know how that factors in. Uh, hopefully that's all been resolved and, you know, in, in the rearview mirror, but you, you never know how that comes back. And to be honest with you, I mean, it's not now maybe it'll change with Andrews being out, but it's not like, you know, Bateman's getting a lot of looks here either, whether that's the design of the offense. Um, Cause he, as, as we said, he seems like he's getting open a lot, but, or whether that's Lamar doesn't trust him or Lamar just, you know, looking at this other guys first, so I would I, I I would be surprised if Bateman signed a long term deal here unless it's a big market deal because he's broken through. Right. All right. Well, let's hope for the best. And you know, like all these things, heartbreaking decisions happen when you draft well, and you might end up losing a player like that, and uh, and he'll return a comp pick. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum, very excited about his development as a pass blocker. Uh, I was skeptical, certainly, of that of that really occurring, but uh, but he's played very well, and and he's one of the better pass blockers so far this year in the NFL. He hasn't probably faced as many of the really top, um, enormous nose tackles in this in the in the league this year, or some of the the uh, length guys, but uh, it seems to have worked out 
you know, extremely well in terms of his per play productivity. Uh, and I think some of that's his, his own body and getting a little bit better. He got a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. He may have given something else up as a run blocker, but it doesn't matter. The trade he made was outstanding. It's kind of like the Ravens overall defensive trade to give up a few more yards against the run, but take away a ton of yards against the pass. Right, right. Keaton Mitchell, 29 NFL snaps, and we're already touting him as the golden (laughs) child. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to the developmental category because that's one where we always want to spend a lot of time, and I'll – Lay out the players here. Actually, why don't we just why don't we just do it this way? Why don't you pick a player you want to talk about among the developmental guys, and I'll just kind of respond, and we'll go back and forth until we hit all ten. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess the two young offensive linemen, um, Voris, obviously with his essentially redshirt year this year. Um, you know, obviously they thought enough of him to you know trade back into the draft and and snag him and give him this opportunity to recover and, and work with the professionals um, to get him, uh, you know, lined up. So on the positive end, there's that likely obviously has got some talent uh, raw, but whether that amounts to anything, we'll see. And then there's probably the, on the list, probably the two, uh, I don't, disappointments i guess in ben cleveland and and Philele at this point i'm not sure uh yeah i'm not sure Philele. i mean I've, I've kind of given up on cleveland to be honest with you and you know i'm not sure Philele is going to develop into what they were hoping at this point i mean i think that's that's a fair analysis by the way six of the ten players in the developmental group are offensive linemen so the ravens do have a big battle coming up at potentially both guard spots next year, because I think there's a good chance they'll lose Kevin Zeitler to free agency. We'll have to you know, talk about that in terms of what it might cost to keep him. But Zeitler's looking like with every additional week, at least the way I'm scoring it, he's, he's uh, uh, working his way out of Baltimore in terms of a, of a contract. But Sala, I kind of feel like we were hoodwinked between him and Simpson, who's another guy on the developmental list, uh, that, that he was going to be the starter. And so they had this faux competition that began with the OTAs with Harbaugh basically anointing Sala as a potential competitor for the role. And then he was able to say, you know, early in camp, well, and we're going to flip it next week and John Simpson's going to get his chance. <laughs> and I, but I think it was a, a case, you know, potentially of Simpson coming from the Raiders, um, having, if anybody was in a position to have ex- an excuse or one excuse, one is one excuse, you just deal with it. Probably had 300 excuses for why he hadn't performed well so far, some of them legitimate and some of them not, but basically he's got to take responsibility for his own play. He would be a guy who would need a motivational game like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and obviously, I mean, we all thought it was, you know, it was really a, uh, a Sala Ben Cleveland um, battle. I mean, Simpson was a kind of an afterthought until at some point Harbaugh said, you know, kind of don't forget about this John Simpson guy. And uh, so I think you're right. I think that was uh, a bit of a ploy there um, to see if they could uh, get the best out of him. And I mean, this, while he's, I think, as we, as we discussed with the defense, while he's uh, kind of been average, um, or maybe that was in between, but um, it's probably still the best he's played in his career. Yeah. <laughs> Which is saying a lot. Isn't really, you know, a, a big feather in his cap, perhaps, but at least he's, and maybe that's, Maybe that's just getting out of the the Raiders organization too. 
Yeah, I, he's definitely done some things better. I mean, I I, I caught it maybe a C minus season. Maybe that's a little low. Maybe it's been a really a, in the solidly in the C range for the season. But he's had some good games. The problem is he's still getting penalized a lot, and that was the thing that I thought the Ravens could coach out of him. There's a whole bunch of other technique issues the guy has in terms of losing his balance a lot that may or may not have been something that the Ravens could really take out of. It's just body type is is very. Um, uh, not gourd-like, which you normally see in really good guards. They they tend to be pears and not apples. He's right. much more of a Michael Orr shaped. He's really shaped like a tackle mm-hmm. uh, in terms of being a you know lean top to bottom kind of guy. And it just it, it's it's not the ideal body composition at guard. Right. Uh, with Jan Ben Cleveland, but he's I guess he's part of the guard competition or maybe the tackle problem solution next year which is probably the biggest thing we need to talk about in this entire offensive evaluation is barrier costs to moving on from Ronnie Stanley and, you know, having a a two-year need to replace potentially both tackles. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, You know, they, they, uh, you know, I still go back and obviously it's all falling apart, but when you, when you're sitting there with Stanley and, and uh, Brown Jr., you know, uh, on your bookends, it looked, it looked so sweet at that moment. And then, Everything changes with you know Stanley getting hurt and Brown moving over and Brown playing well enough to go out and tout himself as a left tackle and want left tackle money and um, you know it, it seems it wasn't that long ago either but it seems like it was ancient uh, you know given what they've gone through you know uh, uh, long, with uh, the, with both positions really I mean Moses at least you know been mostly healthy but. Um, you know, it definitely, and honestly, I, it's not, unfortunately for a long time, they've needed that swing tackle. I mean, I guess Makari fits that role, but mm-hmm. that legitimate offensive tackle who can go both sides. And then obviously, you know, having an heir apparent that they haven't been able to, so, so far, at least haven't been able to draft. Right. Yeah, they've, they've never had the John, the next Jonathan Ogden who was going to start at guard for one year and then is the obvious next tackle. And, and they've, you know, the other thing they really have never been able to find, and, and I guess you could point to someone like Orlando Brown as being a third round guy who kind of fit that mold of being, maybe he could be your left tackle. Orlando Brown's been a big disappointment for other teams at left tackle since he left Baltimore, not so much in Kansas city. He was okay there. Um, he's been pretty darn terrible for um uh, the Bengals in his yeah. in his year there. So I think the Ravens are lucky they didn't kind of try and sign him long term at that point. It would have been a stretch anyway, given the the money it would have taken. But uh Yeah, I mean yeah. if they could have signed him as a, for just right tackle money, it would have been fantastic because he did have the ability to move over to left if you needed him mm-hmm. uh, and be, you know, at least serviceable enough. And uh, you know, obviously in this offense it's a little different, um, you know, and certainly the past years under under Roman, you could get away with, you know, a lesser tackle because of Lamar's uh, when they're running Lamar as much as they were. And, and obviously Brown's forte is blocking, you know, front blocking. So that was that was more helpful. But certainly now uh, that they've opened it up, I think that, you know, that could have been even at left tackle, as, as we're seeing in Cincinnati, he, he certainly could could struggle in that situation. And so Moses who honestly he's way exceeded my expectations and been a very cheap solution at right tackle. If you want to call, I mean, I don't think he, he, he's not even really making standard right tackle money right now. He's just oh, been not, not close yeah. to it. Yeah. 
by the way, since we're on the topic, let's just hit on it right now. Does Moses, is he a sure thing for 24 at this point from your perspective? I would think so out of default. I mean, especially mm-hmm. as we'll, as we'll get into, cause you may be moving you know, you may have to move on from Stanley. So I would think so, assuming he still wants to play, you know, um, but he seems to be, you know, for the times he's interviewed, he seems to be enjoying himself. And obviously he has not played on, uh, you know, good teams in the past <laughs> between the Jets, the Jet, bad Jets teams and bad Washington teams. So, uh, you know, I certainly think, uh, you know, he's enjoying himself and he's playing well. So, I, you know, I would I would think he'd be here. Um, I don't and I don't see anything in his play to say he shouldn't be here. Right. That's the way I look at it, too, is he's, he's just way exceeded his ability in terms of mobility, which is something I really didn't expect. But also as a pass blocker, he's been very solid. And mm-hmm. that's something I think the Ravens hoped they were getting uh, when they signed him. Well, let's move on. The, the two other linemen I, wa- I do want to hit on, um, Vori's seventh round pick, traded back up to get him, led the combine in in bench reps and NFI for the full season. Does not look like that's going to happen. We talked about that a lot the first show, by the way. Go download it. We're not going to repeat everything we said about Andrew Voorhees there. But certainly fits into their guard competition, I think, next year. And and if I had to guess, I'd say he's probably the replacement for Zeitler at right guard. Yeah, I mean, I think if he obviously, you know, if he, if he comes back healthy and he's had this year to – uh, you know, a, a full year to rehab and, you know, get up to speed and be in meetings and, you know, obviously things like that. So, um, you know, get the, you know, the the sense of the offense. Uh, obviously, it depends if Munkin's here again. You know, I, there was a uh, big article about he, he's a that he'll probably be a candidate for head coaching jobs as well. I, that kind of surprised me a little because while I think the Ravens offense is better, it's not like it's, you know, 10 times better, 15 times better. Like, like maybe we were hoping perhaps, and that might be an exaggeration, obviously. Monken has been considered for head coaching jobs. Yeah. Lock and Fora put an article out in the post that. No. DC. With, uh, well, I, yeah, consider the source. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I didn't want to, I, I didn't really want to I go there, but. Um, I, I'm but really yeah, not he, even saying consider the source here. I mean, just think for a moment about about what are the the principal components of what you want in a, in a head coach you want a younger guy if you, yeah, if you can possibly younger, get it i agree like, yeah and so you're not going to go to get a 63 year old offensive coordinator who you know has been up and down in terms of his nfl offensive coordination yeah i i and, mean i agree i found it surprising he had quotes from unna- i mean he was quoting unnamed sources <laughs> with, with actual quotes i mean there were actual quotes so you know it wasn't like this coordinator you know insinuated or yeah but anyway so there were a lot of quotes that, that you know we're going to lose both coordinators i don't know but here honey come on in this room and read the script for me so i can i can list it as being an unnamed quote right right <laughs> i i uh i i you know i'm with you i'm with jason's you. Was, jason he's just yeah. trying to drum up clicks i hear you i hear you so um yeah so i mean i i think um I mean, the guard position will be interesting next year. I mean, hopefully, I mean, ideally, Sala becomes the guy they were talking about in training camp and Voorhees is healthy and, and you know, uh, lives up to the potential that he had pre-injury and those guys step in because, as you said, I mean, I, we're not expecting much from Cleveland at this point unless there's some major change and Simpson's a free agent and Zeitler's a free agent. So, 
uh, those guys could both end up out. Um, and, uh, you know, to be honest with you, you're going to have to rely on your draft picks when you have your quarterback, you know, paying top of the top of the market. So, yeah, you're you're probably going to have to make at least one cut from this group of six. And the guy who's cut next year, I think, probably doesn't hang around on the roster, doesn't hang around the practice squad, I should say. Tayshawn Manning, a name that that is one of the develop the true developmental practice squad players. And there's really only about four of them on the whole team. But Jeremy Lucien, we talked about on the defensive one, is is one. Uh, Travis Vokalek and right. uh, and uh, there's one other, Trace Willing. I had included in that group as mm-hmm. being a guy who uh, uh, on the defensive side, but anyway, t- Manning is a guy I still think has a has a possible future. So there'll be a guard competition. It's going to be it'll it'll be more extensive than you think. But one of the really easy articles to write, I always say, is to look at the fourth year players and and do some cut projections. And I would have to think the sand is out of the hourglass for Cleveland starting at the beginning of next year. They have to try and figure out. Is there a guy here we want to try and salvage? Does he make sense as, as lineman number seven, eight, or nine for us next year? Well, and obviously it'll depend that the draft will factor into that heavily too, because mm-hmm. um, you know, they're 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 gonna be kind of thin on the offensive line. I mean, obviously you can move Macari everywhere, uh, but that they seem to value him for that role of being able to move everywhere and not for the role of just lost Brian again. This happened in the first show, and he's back. So they value Makari everywhere. Yeah, that, that's weird. That's uh, I'm not sure what's, what's going on there. But, yeah, so I think they value him everywhere, not as a, a starter and pigeonholing him into one spot unless, they, unless they're forced to. Yeah, I think I, I honestly think at this point they really, really do not want to play McCarry at center, that they want to play him at one of those tackle spots. They've got backup guards, so that really hasn't been the issue. It's been Cleveland mm-hmm. or it's been – um and and at center they've used Mustafer when he's been active as yeah. the as the other guy but they I don't think they really want to use McCarry on the interior at this point I think they they see him as a backup tackle just because that's what their need is and you know if you if you have a hammer everything looks like a nail so he's right. uh, he's the guy but two the two tight ends on the group Charlie Kolar and Isaiah likely if if you were Charlie Kolar's agent what would you be telling him about his his next five games and, and maybe into the next camp and the off season for, for his future. Yeah. I mean, this is his opportunity. Obviously he was playing very sparingly uh, prior to this. Um, and they obviously, when it comes to blocking they're uh, you know, they're using the fullback more as a tight end uh, in that situation. But um, yeah, I mean, this is his opportunity just like, I mean, yeah, it doesn't always work out. I mean, likely last year, you know, caught fire there at the end and we were expecting big things from him this year and it hasn't turned out that way. But I would say the same thing goes for Kohler. This is his opportunity to, to make people think that, uh, you know, to justify his draft position. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that what's the three times they've drafted two tight ends. It's the second drafted tight end that always turns out to be the better one. Um, Now, these two were, were real close in draft position. I think they were only a couple picks apart because they had so many picks in that round. Uh, but, you know, it, it is just interesting how that, that has played out that way. Very weird, uh, to, to be sure. So, you know, if, if I were to look for a common thread among these guys, unfortunately, the developmental players on defense and offense is a fairly thin group. The, the, the young producers on both sides of the ball are both pretty good. 
Um, obviously, a lot of lot of pending free agents, three of them on defense, and four guys returning on both sides who are really giving you a lot of value over cap. But they really need some guys to come through, even if it's a little unexpected from this developmental group. And uh, I, who who would be your guy that you think is the most likely to come through at the highest level, the the best combination of likelihood to get there and 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 highest level of play? I mean, I think, I well, I'm partly because we haven't seen him yet, maybe, but I think probably Voris is that guy. Just and you know that they did, you know, uh, if he wasn't injured, is he a you know second day pick or early third day pick? Um, so I, I think that's probably the guy. I mean, Sal is probably next in my mind, and that's only, but that's part of that is because of all of that training or actually OTA buzz about him last year. Um, or last spring, I should say. So, uh, you know, so I would think those two and, you know, likely still got an opportunity to, you know, to, um, you know, he's certainly shown he has the talent. So, I mean, he, he's, you know, we still got an opportunity and uh, much like Kohler, he's got an op- real opportunity now to really, uh, you know, to really, uh, get some uh, meaningful snaps and, and targets. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, likely, Likely to me is probably the guy because he, he'll have a he'll have a magnified role over these next five games because yeah. he's got he's got to catch some balls and he's done fairly fairly well now since it, you know since Andrew's injury in terms of making uh, some contributions. In fact, really you have to go back to that Colts game is his right. first drop of the year. I think he caught all nine of his first other. Of, of ten targets he had, the only drop he'd had, the only the only sorry non catch he'd had had been that very costly drop critical yes critical (laughs) all right anyway developmental group not looking as good as uh, i would say this year as it has in in past years on either the offensive or defensive side let's move on to those veterans that are playing for market value now we we talked about this group again these are the guys they make a, a high percentage of your total cap and the guys in this group they're 12 on offense make up a substantial portion of your total cap um, in but between offense and defense, you, you certainly have a, a large portion of it being paid there. Let's just go one at a time here, one player at a time. Who, who do you want to talk about on this on this list in terms of maybe interesting in terms of how they might fit in next year? Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, I mean all the guys that are under contract for next year, I, I you know I don't see any any you know any change there. I don't that they're not going to be back. So I think the the three in, most interesting ones to me. Well, maybe four, but um, Aguilar, uh, I think, has played really well when given the chance. Uh, I think he's an ideal um, veteran to have in that third or fourth, you know, um, wide receiver spot. Uh, I think they could probably get him back for less than they paid him this year mm-hmm. um, because obviously he's not putting up big numbers. He might be a, one of the, another one of those veteran guys. Now he's had success in other places, but he's been around and around and around. But you know, he might be a guy that finds you know Baltimore is a nice little spot for him. Um, Gus Edwards, I assume, is going to leave. Um, it just it's obviously the last two years for him have not been great, um, and it just just doesn't seem like he fits in anymore in some way. Um, you know, if that's the right way to say it. Um, Zeitler, you, we could both kind of mention, or you mentioned earlier, obviously a free agent. You know, uh, I really thought they would re-sign him to an extension 
um, this past off season, they, they did the void years with him, but I really thought they'd get, you know, work on an extension. I don't know what it means that they didn't, whether that's money, whether he's thinking about retirement, um, or he just wanted to keep his options open. So a player that age, my immediate reaction, I have a, I have a comment that I use fairly frequently is you really don't want to get stuck with the old made contract at that. And oftentimes it's an old made contract with a good player. Yonda, Mason, Reed were guys who continually were signing two-year deals that were only really good for one year. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of paying a premium for that player to keep him around for two. And it doesn't, it, it's not a team option. It's really as a player option on that second year. And right. a lot of them were, were either considering retirement legitimately or threatening retirement. In right. Reed and Mason's case, it really seemed like more than it, even than Yonda's. Yonda, I think, was pretty upfront about, you know, yeah, this is a two-year deal, but it's only for one year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, do you have to have some sort of additional fear with Zeitler? I mean, I, I personally, I was very happy that he made it through this year. I didn't think it was a sure thing that that he would um, not retire prior to this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think that's probably, I mean, I think there's some of that in the idea that they didn't give him a contract because if he retired – then they're going to, you know, there's going to be dead money. So why not just play it out? Although they added void years, so it's going to create dead money anyway. But, um, but that was, you know, as I constantly said that they had to, I'm not a big void year guy, but uh, at all, but, and they did what they had to do because Lamar was going to count 30 some million uh, on the cap under the, under the tag. So uh, they had to do what they had to do. I don't think they'll continue to do that going forward. Now, the Ravens have been very good to us as season ticket holders over the years at playing without void money in general. But how much of the void money that the Ravens accumulated was Lamar and how much of it was um, necessities coming out of the lower COVID cap years to bridge themselves into a smoother place on that hopefully is not as roller coastery in terms of cap? Yeah, I mean, I think for most teams, I mean, that's when the the pandemic, the you know, came, became uh, that became necessity for a lot of teams. Now, the, the Ravens didn't use them in twenty and twenty one or twenty two. Um, they've only they only used them this year. So, I mean, a little bit of that is you know we're still you know sh- scuffling from getting out from under the you know what was it. Uh, thirty million dollar drop in the cap. I mean, the cap right now at at you know two twenty four um, should probably be two forty something. You know, right should probably be fifteen to twenty more than it is. So um, you know, so that's part of it. But I think at that time they had a very tight cap, and the only way to get some, you know, to put the roster together with the idea that Lamar might be, you know, they might be stuck with Lamar on the, on the tag number mm-hmm. was to use void years. It'll be interesting to see if they, you know, what they do in the future. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm with you on, on most of that, but the other part is they had a number of contracts that they've had to restructure. Now restructuring is normal, but it effectively is another way to push money into next year, kick the can yes. down the road. And they've done a lot of that with between Stanley and Humphrey. They did a lot of that. Um, over these years. And I know the void years were an extra prophylactic they needed this year for the potential of having to having to keep Lamar on the tag. Um, and that, that situation differed from Joe Flacco's contract where they didn't have the money to, to keep him on the tag. They had to work out a deal or 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 lose it. Yeah, well, he was on. Did, did, uh-uh. did they tag it? They were going to tag him. Were they? They were. 
they were going to tag him, but they signed him right before the tag period. I mean, they would have found a way. Let's put it that way. (laughs) They weren't going to let him walk. They would have found a way, even if it hurt, you know, by cutting a guy like Mason or whoever it might have been. Mason was gone by then. I'm sorry. Um, But they yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure he signed right before the tag window. Okay. Um, And they don't have to be under the cap. I mean, the tag windows, you know, starts what the 20th of February, give or take. And the league year doesn't start till March 14th, 15th, 16th. So they would have had almost a month to, you know, figure out how to uh, now that might have put him out of free agency that year, um, you know, by keeping flack on the tag. But, yeah, it was a it was a it was a tight cap. But they could they were, they were like I said, there was no way they weren't going to. They weren't going to the repeat of the Trent Dilfer, not that they're the same quarterback or anything. <laughs> yeah. They weren't going to go into the season without their Super Bowl quarterback again. Okay, very good. Um, you, you mentioned Gus Edwards. Is there any chance Gus comes back? I mean, he's not getting a big running back contract from the Baltimore Ravens. That just, I, I don't see that happening at all. Is there any way because he's a stylistic fit here? Um, I think he's had a really good year running the football this year, by the way, for for what it's worth, even though his yards per carry is way down. Uh, still forcing some missed tackles, scoring a bunch of touchdowns. A lot of it is, you know, his short yardage runs are are of the Don McCauley variety, I'll call it. Remember Don McCauley when I we remember Don McCauley. <laughs> had, had 10 touchdowns and 60 carries. Yeah. Um, so this he's not having a dissimilar year to that right now. And I, I'm – I, I – I would love to for them to find a way to keep him, but do you get a sense of whether Edwards would be into a you know a two year five million dollar deal, or that's just his agent will never let him sign something? Like yeah, that? no, I mean, I, I I agree. I don't think there's going to be a big market for him. I mean, obviously the running back market's depressed to start with. He's a guy that's you know hasn't. I mean, I guess his rookie year when Lamar took over as quarterback was his most sustained starter. Um, period. Otherwise, he's been pretty much in a shared situation. Um, so, uh, you know, he and he's getting older. So he and he hasn't obviously he's got it. I guess you could say he's proven he's healthy this year, but it doesn't seem like he's got the same burst yet either. So does a year difference may I just, you know, a year make a difference? One more year make a difference? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm you said two years, five million. You say. Yeah, I mean, I think that's not AAV. Two years, two years, five million total. Yeah, yeah, total. Yeah, I know. I think that's, I think that's the top of the market for him. To be honest with you, Uh, I mean, which we look at, you know, I mean, he. uh, This is unfair to say, but you know, sometimes it seems like running backs are a dime a dozen, and you can plug if if you can block, you can plug somebody in who may not get you six yards a carry, but they'll get you four and a half. You know, um, so I would I would be surprised if he got that kind of deal. It, it would make sense for them to get younger at the position. Mitchell is a great move in that direction. Don't get me wrong, sure. but but it would it would make sense if they got younger at the position. And if they re-signed Edwards to that kind of a deal, and you know, heaven forbid is the wrong term to use here, but Hill is already signed for next year, so mm-hmm. you know he'll be around for something. I assume they they but I, actually I guess second year of a two year deal they they might cut him. It's, I mean, they could. I mean, you know, he's, if 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 um, Mitchell finishes this year strong and looks like a number one, a true number one, then I think you can keep Hill around as a three um, with the special teams ability or even a four, I guess, depending upon how your roster breaks down. 
Uh, you know, so you get to, I mean, the main thing you get to is, is it a potentially a question between if you're going to bring a veteran back, is it, is it, is it Edwards or Dobbins? Right. And I'm what, not what would Dobbins be number? two years, five million either. Oh, no uh, way. What would you? I, first of all, I don't think if you're Dobbins, you'd want that. Dobbins is in, you know, considers himself in that elite group, and unfortunately, he needs a prove it year worse than any running backs ever needed a prove it year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if they bring one of them back, I, I don't see them bringing both back. So, if they bring one back, it, it's just a question of which one. How would you structure a deal for Dobbins if he's the guy you want to come back, or or structure it at the level where you're ambivalent, maybe between him and Edwards? What would be your number on Dobbins, or how would you structure the contract? Yeah, I mean, I think his deal would have to have incentives in it. It would have to have per game roster bonuses, so it would almost be a minimum deal, uh, you know, one year minimum deal, which would next year for a, a four year vet um, would be just like one point one million, mm-hmm. and then you'd probably put in, uh, you know, I'm just going to go nine hundred thousand. That would get into two million in per game roster bonuses. So if he plays every game, he gets two, and then you would have incentive. I mean, incentives would be easy because it's, it's got basically, you know, there's there's no stats <laughs> for this year. So any anything would be not likely to be earned. Anything you put in there, so you know, obviously you put you know another five hundred thousand for five hundred yards from scrimmage or, or rushing yards probably, and then you know, something based on touchdowns and, and the like. So he maybe, maybe if he, you know, if he is the true number, comes out to be the true number one, he could get him, he could get 4 million, you know, something like that, um, um, which would, you know, but by the same token, he's only counting, you know, a little, a, a little over a million uh, initially or two if he plays every game. So, you know, so I think that's probably um, kind of the kind of structure that would make sense. I mean, that, that sounds like it makes all kinds of sense to me. So you have him at a top of about two and a half in that, and you're willing to give Gus two, two and a half effectively. Well, not probably not guaranteed. You're probably going to pay him $2.25 million or something in the second year of that deal. So he's he gets $2.75 million between signing bonus and his first year salary in mm-hmm. the first year of a five. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I love that in terms of a of a way. You're very creative with compensation things like this. I always <laughs> like hearing that your uh, your ideas on this. The other guy that a lot of people have been talking about among this veteran playing for market value group is Patrick Ricard as being a not a completely sure guy to get his money with his use in the offense this year. Do you think um, he's in any jeopardy at all? Uh, before the season, I would have said this is his last year. But the way they've been using him, I think he's become an integral part. Um, he's not getting as many. He probably misses the Greg Roman offense because he's not getting as many targets. But mm-hmm. um, but he's getting. I don't. I, I I haven't looked at the numbers, but I assume his uh, snaps are up from last year. They're down. They're down. So, yeah, they're down pretty substantially. I mean, he's a much bigger oh. part of the Roman point of attack offense, but he's been well, playing like that's true. about twenty five. Uh, 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 25 to 30 snaps per game this year. I could, I'll, I'll look it up while we're, while we continue to talk here, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's down. It's actually surprising because they've been so effective running the football mm-hmm. and it's not all with Ricard on the field, but you want to have Ricard when you're closing out a game. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. And uh, he's been, he's been really good at that. Now, you know, maybe they can find, you know, I mean, like they tried with Ben Mason was going to be the heir apparent. So, you know, <laughs> that didn't work out. So, 
you know, maybe they, they try that again, that may, hopefully not through the draft, but, you know, hit up one of the, the top fullbacks in, you know, uh, in undrafted free agency and try to bring somebody in. But um, I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like, Personally, I feel like his his impact has been, even though the snaps are down, has been greater this year for some reason, and I don't know why I feel that. I guess because he's the blocking tight end to an extent. Yeah. So it, just just to put numbers around it, 2022 played 747 snaps, and this is one of the heaviest fullback tight end OL6 teams of all time. Um, and this year he's down to 313 snaps, and we're obviously well past the halfway point in the season. Right. But, uh, but he's not near the same pace. He's going to probably end up with about maybe 60% as many snaps when all is said and done. Well, so. yeah, I always say there's always a surprise cut that you you, weren't, you didn't see coming. Maybe we can see that one coming, but um, I, I, still th- I, I still think he's probably around next year. Yeah, well, I, I, I think he's their first choice, and I think he's very much of a safe choice. What's, what's, it would just suck to be a college foot, football fullback ever, but, but, yeah. but right now in particular because – NFL teams don't really value what you do at fullback if you're the typical 235 pound fullback that exists all over college football. They they want to convert a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman right. now or a center into being a you know their yeah, fullback. For it's sure, just, it's uh, it's a weird trend. And Ricard could be a guy I could see them doing a, you know an extension for to lower his cap number a little and add a year or two because um, he's it, he's not going to come. He's not going to, you know, I mean, two years ago, he was a free agent. You know, there was talk from that source we were talking about earlier that he was <laughs> going to make uh, tight end money at eight to 10 million. Um, that didn't happen either. Um, so, yeah, so I don't think there's going to be a huge market for him. I think that's, you know, I mean, there's obviously not that many teams use the type of player he is to start with. So uh, that could be, I could see that being a good resolution for everybody. Attack on a couple extra years, lower his cat number a little and make it more palatable. Well, my, my dog told me that there's a good chance that Greg Roman gets hired by an NFC team. If he is, Patrick Ricard's going with him and the point of attack offense is it's, <laughs> as it's reconstituted there. So uh, he may already be lost. It, it just yeah. may not be a player the Ravens can keep on research. But yeah, it, it, you know, you're, you're restructuring Ricard's contract for 24 and 25. What kind of number would you want to pay him over two years? Um. Let's see. I think the average on this deal was under four, wasn't it? It was around four, I think. Yeah, I'll go back. Uh, it wasn't. It was nowhere near eight. I know that. Um, sure. I can. I can look it up. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, you, you keep them around. Caps going up. You've you've got a problem. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Probably uh, improve upon that um, or at least keep it even. But um, so, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, in the, well, say you're tacking two on, you're supposed to make four next year. Um his average was 3.75, so it's just under uh-huh. four. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, f- f- four and a half a year. So, okay. You're a, you're a generous, generous man. I, I was, I was going to say, if, if you're going to, first of all, you're going to make it a two year deal. It's ages 31 and 32. I would probably try and get him for two years, five million also. And to me, I don't, I don't, think there's a reason why from my perspective that he makes a lot more than Gus Edwards does uh, but it, it, you know he plays a similar number of snaps mm-hmm. um, you know he's he's not the ball carrier but he is a, a you know critically important part as a blocker I just I think if if you don't he plays a buggy whip of a position and when I say that that means you know it's it's there's fewer and fewer uses of buggy whips in the world today <laughs> sure and fullbacks obviously there's very very few uses sure. of them I have to think that you'd 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 either try and give him a, an offer that was was fairly low, even though he's a Pro Bowler, perennially at the position, or you'd you'd go and you'd find another solution at that position, and and whether that's you know an undrafted defensive lineman or whatever it might be, but somebody who's who you think uh, has the prospects or, or traits you like to be a fullback. No, I mean I agree with that. I my 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 numbers were based on he's not going to sign an extension for less unless he goes on the market. And like he did last time, you know, he goes on the market and there's not the, you know, the need there. And so he does come back for two and a half million a year, which is less than what he's making now. But, but the market has proven that that's all he's going to get. So I think if you're doing it, unfortunately, I mean, and that that's part of the calculus is if we do an extension, we probably have to give him a little bit of a bump. Um, how much is that worth it? Or we'll just either cut him. I mean, they've certainly done that a few times and with actually fullbacks. Um, the Super Bowl, the last Super Bowl. Fullback, Dante Leach. Yes, they cut him uh, right after the Super Bowl, I think it was. And then they re-signed him again in June. They've done that with a few players over the years. So I think that if 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 $4 million, uh, you know, in cash next year is too much and he won't take a pay cut, then and then maybe that's part of the threat of the, you get a couple extra years because we're going to cut you so let's work out a deal. But if they don't, it's going to be the market that's going to dictate what that number is. And if it's less, then he's got to you know he's going to have to force be forced to see it. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, uh, very good. It's always good to talk through uh, those kind of things. I put all the special teams guys in this category. Jordan Stout's obviously on his first deal. I think he probably is pr- uh, providing some surplus value relative to his his cost right now. Um, Nick Moore is also in this group, and he's on the NFI list. Do you have a strong sense of whether it'll be Moore or Ott next year that they turn to as the long term guy? Well, are they when they um, when they redid Moore's deal um, when he went on NFI when he got hurt, I guess. Um, so um, he was only, but he was the deal. I think he was supposed to be this year and next year. They tacked another year on, so it's so. And they're, they're, they gave him a little bit of a bonus, so kind of money for his redshirt year. He's not making a salary, but they mm-hmm. gave him four million, uh, four four million four hundred thousand um, in uh, a signing bonus, and then they add tacked an extra year on to spread that bonus out. But it wasn't a void year; it was an actual year. Um, so that leads me to believe that they're expecting more to come back and be the guy. Now that was all done of course you know in in august and september um now that they've had ott and maybe they feel ott might be a cheaper alternative i don't recall i don't think they guaranteed any of in that deal for more so i don't think there's any uh well there's i mean there's still 550 in uh bonus prorations if he's cut which isn't you know, isn't huge, but you'd rather not have that. So, I mean, next year is his cap number next year would be 1.455. Um, Ott could be probably had for cheaper than that, but it, two, 300,000, is it going to make that? Is it that much? I mean, I don't know that that's a big difference. You know, who's, who's better is the bottom line. Right. And, and I agree with the who's better part. There's a really interesting thing about these guys because Ott's been in the league forever. He's a ninth year veteran. Um, you know, uh, playing this year for the Ravens. Moore has been in the league for only three years. If the difference in their ages, one year, almost to the day. Hmm. Um, you know, actually, uh, 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 Moore turns 31 in three more days. Wow. For three years. Like <laughs> yeah. So, yeah well, is- it's the life of a you know specialist. You bounce around and practice squad to practice squad and the like. I, I'm trying to remember. I think. He spent a whole year on the Ravens practice squad before he before yeah. he thing. And there was a lot of talk about, you know, do they really need to protect him? Right. Uh, but that, those protections don't hold up for the entire week anyway. So it wasn't like it was going to be a permanent thing. But, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is it, it, anyway, interesting guys there. Uh, who else do we want to talk about on this group? We talked about Zeitler. We talked about Aguilar. Tyler Huntley. Huntley, um, yes. He was that fourth guy I was saying because – Obviously, they need a backup quarterback. Are they willing to run it back with Josh Johnson, you know, who's a safe, but obviously getting older, but a safe kind of veteran guy. But at some point, um, you know, they've got to look into, because as we're seeing around the league and, you know, this discussions, and I, I, I kind of laugh at it because if you're paying your quarterback 30, 40, 50 million, it's really hard to have an $8 million backup quarterback, you know? Um, so unfortunately that's why we're seeing, you know, it used to be, it, you know, you could, you could have a, well in the past, at least a four or $5 million backup quarterback and it didn't hurt you too much. But um, so are they draft somebody, I mean, kind of Anthony Brown sort of looked like kind of that guy and 
uh, last year, and obviously that didn't really turn out. So, um, you know, do you draft a guy or go heavily into an undrafted free agent? But, uh, you know, Huntley, you know, he's good friends with Lamar. He seems comfortable. Maybe you can get him. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to up the price though from what he's making this year. But what's your number on Huntley? Oof. I mean, he's the guy you would do a lot of incentives with as well. So you kind of go. I don't know because again, some team obviously a lot of teams this year learned have learned the hard way to invest. So you know maybe it's a base deal uh, at least from a cap perspective of this you know for a year of a two million dollar cap number. And again, uh, you know, per game roster bonuses. If he so, if he starts, or or, or maybe incentive based on starts by itself, not necessarily games you come in because the uh, Lamar's hurt or, or you know at the end of the game. But so based on starts, and then obviously, you know, passing yards, uh, um, touchdowns, um, completion percentage. I mean, you got you know huge uh, variety of things with you do a quarterback. So in the end. He's, you know, he's he's going to be two million on the twenty four cap. Granted, if he plays, God forbid, sixteen, seventeen, you know, fifteen, fourteen games, something like that, then you're going to probably be paying him ten million in incentives, which is going to hit the following year's cap. But if he's if he's the if you think he's the right guy, you know, to be in this offense and the right guy to be Lamar's backup, then you know that kind of deal's probably worth it. All right. I, I, of those solutions, would you be more in favor of giving Huntley a deal like that that could potentially, frankly, blow up in your face if you end up having to pay Tyler Huntley ten million dollars? I mean, that's yeah. I mean, well, I mean, if or I mean, or you you'd locate that rookie quarterback, you know, that draft pick. I mean, I you know, I think um, I know they were very high on the kid in Cleveland, um, uh, Robinson, uh, not right, Thompson, Thompson, Thompson. Um, and obviously, but he was picked in the fourth round and I, you know, obviously I don't think the Ravens were going to pull the trigger at that point. Um, but you know, that, that was, that would be the kind of guy that's, that's a Lamar junior, Lamar light, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but has the same skill set because obviously that's what you're building. And Huntley to an extent fills that, but he, you know, I don't think he's the, He's the he's a good runner. I don't think he's the quarterback, um, unfortunately. So, you know, that's, so I think that's what I think that that's probably. I mean, that's the better way because then you get four years of, uh, you know, con- cheap, controllable, you know. But you got to hit the right guy. Yeah. And as we so saw, get- as, as we see in Cleveland, you know, Thompson wasn't necessarily ready. Um, and they, you know, they do have the opportunity though to if they draft a guy to have that guy be the third guy on the roster if they won. And they and they had it with Anthony Brown on the practice squad to a lesser degree. It didn't work out. You have it with Josh Johnson, you can keep him well, That's I don't true. know. That, yeah. But uh but you but I, I I do think resetting the clock ought to be a really high priority for this team. I I wouldn't, you know, the, think about how depressing this is as a fan to think that you might end up spending 10 million on a player like Tyler Huntley to lead you to a through the end of a you know a seven and ten season that Lamar started, yeah, be, no, I hear and, and it's it's not money well spent. And no, so I, it isn't. It yeah. isn't. No, I agree. So, uh, you know, and I and it, I'm not saying that the incentives would necessarily go that high. That's just you know just a number, but uh, that's the kind of deal that would be heavily incentivized. Um, that I think I think a lot of a way of 
bridging this gap between we can't pay back our quarterbacks eight million dollars a year. Okay, well we'll pay them less, but if they play, we're you know they'll get paid handsomely. Okay. Um, and so I think that's kind of the way teams are going to have to start approaching that. Uh, whether Huntley's the guy to do that with, though, for the Ravens, I agree. I mean, it, it's it. I certainly it. You hit the right guy in the draft, and it. You know, you've got your your solid backup for. Uh, you know, your Brock Purdy. Heck, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you got you got your potential MVP, and that's obviously a um, Tom Brady esque at this point, as far as that goes. But, um, but so I mean, yeah, I mean that's the better use of your money. It's just a matter. It's just a if you don't hit the right guy, then. You're, 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 as you said, your seven and 10 season becomes a two and 15 season. Yeah. I, I'm, 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 first of all, I'm never a tank guy because I've got tickets to these games. And last thing I want to do <laughs> is too. go see right. game in December's football and, and, and see crap like that happening. But if, if the choice is between a seven and 10 and a two and two and 15 year, I think I'm taking the two and 15 year. Um, I, I, I wouldn't do it happily and I wouldn't do it without knowing that the organization was prepared to reload and rego the next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm not looking for a four year plan to get back into the action, but if it was a, if it was a, um, you know, Lamar is hurt for the year, the season is over in week one or week two, and somebody has to come in and manage the games for the rest of the way and lose them for, for the most part. I think then, you know, if it's between seven and two and two and f- seven and 10 and two and 15, I'll take the two and 15. Take the cheap rookie as opposed to the more expensive backup. No, I hear you. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So uh, I think we've gone through these veterans a little bit. The veteran cap value concerns we have to talk about. So there's three guys who fit in this category from, from, uh, from my perspective, Odell Beckham, Devin Duvernay, Ronnie Stanley. Let's talk about Beckham first because the situation is kind of a complex one. How did you view the signing of him in terms of the, the money spent? Well, uh, obviously they overpaid um, and they, they, they had to overpay to an extent. Uh, you know, I mean, they had to give Lamar a, a, an olive branch, whatever you want to call it, um, do something to get him excited um, to show that they were, you know, addressing, uh, you know, their concerns. I mean, if you look at, uh, some of the other free agent uh, free agents that were out there, the young, even the younger guys, a lot of them haven't panned out very well. Um, and then, I mean, I've heard a couple. Well, you know, we should have gotten DeAndre Hopkins instead. Well, Hopkins wasn't available at that time. He was still a Cardinal. <laughs> you know, I mean, he maybe even I, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So, um, so that that's so. I mean, they had to do it. It's. It's a contract that is in. I mean, if you, you know, if you get the Super Bowl, it's not going to hurt. You know, it's not going to hurt as much. You get that trophy, but when when he's not, if he's not here next year, and there's still eleven million dollars plus on the cap for under his column, uh, and you know, all of them. I mean, if if it's Zeitler's not here, Edwards isn't here, Pierce isn't here, um, Stone isn't here, and Beckham. I think it's six or might be a seventh. It's close to twenty million in dead money from those void years. Can you talk a little bit? Now, there's people who've suggested on Twitter that if they extend players, that they don't have to realize the void years in the same way. So, how would that work? So, yeah, it does work differently. So, um, it, it, 
Um, let's see who was the best. So I'm just going to use numbers as opposed because just the round numbers will work easier. But if if you sign a guy for five year for basically a five year deal, but it's a one year deal for six million million dollar base salary, five million dollar bonus. If there's no void years, it counts six million on the cap in that year. If that, by adding the void years, you can spread that five million dollar bonus out over the five years. But what that means is if the player's not re-signed the next year, then that all those four void years all accelerate into the following year. Um, now, if that so that that's 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 the that's the drawback, huge drawback in some cases in Beckham's eleven plus million. Uh, but that's the drawback to void years. Um, but if you do re-sign the player, then if you if they were to re-sign him for four years, then those those void years still count one million each, as long as he f- fulfills the four years. If if you sign him for less than the four years, if it's just a two-year extension, it still is the one million dollars in the next year, one million in the second year of that deal, and then the remaining two would accelerate in the in the, the final. Well, I guess that's the fourth year. Um, so that so so you can delay it um, by re-signing players, but it, but it might not. But it still might be some uh, acceleration at the end because, for instance, with Beckham, they're not going to sign him. He's not going to be here for five years if they so, sign him before your extension. Who, who's is there a player who currently has void years? There's about six guys on the Ravens currently that have it. Roughly, you would know. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's about that. Yeah. Um, is, is there anybody who they can match up? term of the contract that they would prospectively sign with the term of the void years and already in existence such they don't have to take at least a couple of years of dead money uh, up front so even michael pierce who they could sign maybe for two years has what four years of void money right yeah yeah so i mean you can you can you can certainly lessen the impact because then if he doesn't fulfill assuming he fulfills the extension you're only getting those last two years accelerated. So, um, but I, I mean, I, I, the bottom line is which of these six guys do you expect back next year? Beckham, um, Zeitler, Geno Stone, Edwards, um, oh, um, Aguilar. Edwards, Pierce, Aguilar on a two-year deal, I'd say. I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be – I might sign another five-year deal – if, but but it'd be five to make two with with right. void years at the end of that. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, there's not none of them are going to fulfill the the full time. Some of them, hopefully, you can resign just to you know, delay some of that. And some of them, I mean, uh, if like Geno Stones is is uh, it's minimal. I mm-hmm. I think his bonus was four hundred grand, so it's like a hundred. So I mean, some of them you're not really worried about. But I mean, like I said, it's it's about twenty million in void years, dead money from those void years, and eleven point four something. I think of that as is Beckham alone, right? And and do you, have other teams found themselves in a kind of void year heroin situation? Where they not they have players on void years, it makes them make bad business decisions to bring those players back and add additional void money on the on the next year. That, that's what I'd be really concerned about here. I mean, I don't like ever going down the void year path, but the combination of Jackson and the pandemic exigencies that existed, you know, as as they rolled up towards this contract, kind of made it what it was. Uh, but but. Hey, are, 
have we seen other teams fall into that sort of a trap where they have void years on a player and then they re-sign him and 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 do even more void? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's happened certainly, and um, I mean, the Eagles have done it a couple times themselves. And even though obviously they've been a good good organization, I think they've I I think certainly at least the media up there has said at times that um, you know that they they made it worse by trying to make it better, quote unquote. So. Uh, and then the Saints, same kind of the same thing with the Saints because mm-hmm. they they were probably the one of the first team, well certainly the first team to use wholesale void years, and that was going back you know to Drew Brees. I mean that's so it's been five years or so um, since they were doing those things with Brees even before he retired. So um, yeah, I mean it's well, and it's just I mean it's kind of the same thing with restructures of contracts. The more you restructure contracts, the more you add into the next years, and the next year you have the same problem, and you you know you got you know, got to create cap space, so you restructure and restructure. Good thing, I mean, the Ravens basically used the void years as their restructures this year. There's only Ed, uh, Andrews is the only uh, of the big veterans was the only guy they restructured this year. They, they, they did, did restructure not do, Humphrey. They did. I don't think they did Humphrey this year. Yeah, I Maybe gotta they, look. Maybe I know they, they didn't did. do Stanley. <laughs> no, they definitely didn't do Stanley, which was yeah. wise because maybe they did Humphrey as well. Um, yeah, he's, yeah, they he's, did Humphrey as well. Yeah, they did Humphrey as well. So they did Humphrey and, and Andrews, but they stayed away. They, you know, there were others that they could have done, uh, including Lamar, actually, um, but they did. Now I'm pretty certain Lamar will be a restructure next year. Um, along with um, trying to remember somebody else. um, Well, Marcus Williams, if he could stay healthy, would be a very good restructure candidate next year as well. And they obviously haven't done that yet because this has only been his first two years of his deal. Right. Right. All right. Uh, Devin Duvernay, any chance he's back in Baltimore next year? I would think he's a guy that would look for a fresh start. I mean, obviously, with kickoffs becoming, you know, uh, the dinosaurs that you know you're not bringing it out now that you can fair catch inside the 25. Um, I, I, I or that might only be a one year rule, but I, my guess is they're going to bring it back. I sometimes they do those one year rules, but if it is a, if it isn't a one year rule, it's probably going to stay. Um, so yeah, I mean I think he's greener pastures if you want to call it that. Um, and obviously it depends on what they do with wide receiver, but if Bateman's back and Flowers is back and if they were to re-sign Aguilar, you know, then I, you know, Duvernay's going to look for a spot where he could potentially be a three and he's not, obviously it's, it's not happening here. So, yeah. I think one of the big things we've seen with Duvernay is the Ravens have a good cadre now of speed players. And last year he was really the gadget guy in addition to being a pretty sure-handed guy. This year the hands have gone away and they haven't used him on gadget plays hardly at all mm-hmm. the whole year. Yeah. It's been Mitchell and Flowers you know, yeah. when they've done them. Yeah. Okay, now the, 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 you know, the white elephant, the elephant in the room, obviously Ronnie Stanley in terms of being a cap value concern uh, – I, I I could never have guessed the drop off would be this steep. He's he's graded about a full grade level lower than McCarry as I score it, and about two grade levels lower than Moses uh, this year at tackle. Uh, devastating as a fan, one of my favorite players in terms of of stylistically how he fits with Lamar. Um, the Ravens did not, you know, uh, you mentioned this already. They 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 did not um, uh, rejigger his deal, uh, restructure his deal. Was part of that a strategic thing because they were unsure about 
the possibility of him retiring, say, at the end of this year or them wanting to move on at the end of the year? I mean, it could be. I, I mean, I think they kind of go hand in hand. Of We have to see how he plays this year. I mean, he already for 24 and 25, the last two years of his deal, uh, his, his cap number is 26 million. If they restructured, uh, 24 would have been close to 30 million. Um, so, uh, you know, they already, they already done it twice. Um, so I, I think, you know, I think and now if he was playing at an all pro level, they'd probably be taught instead of restructuring, they'd be talking about extending him. Obviously right. we're nowhere near that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, I mean, it's, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think, you know, that season, his pro bowl season, he was amazing. Um, and it's just a shame that, you know, the, the injuries have just so piled up, uh, that he obviously just can't seem to shake it at this point. Uh, do you, do you have a sense? I mean, I hate trying to even project for players how they feel about something or whatever, but do, do you have a sense that Ronnie might pull the trigger on his own retirement? So this is kind of a situation where both the club and the player have an option on the, on next season. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess that, I mean, it's, uh, that's certainly possible. I mean, he's, you know, last year it was, I'm not playing unless I'm a hundred percent. And then this year he's obviously been playing and he's clearly not a hundred percent, but, and whether that's him playing for his future, cause he feels like he's got to get out there, you know, and, and it's just not working out as he had hoped. Um, but yeah, I mean, and obviously he's, he's, he's made a good chunk of money. So, um, it'll be, well, he'll be 30 at some point next year. So, um, not that that's old for a tackle, but, um, mm-hmm. one that's been beat up, you know, maybe it's just, you know, maybe he'll just say, you know what, I'm going to retire. Captain's captain implications are the same retirement versus mm-hmm. cut. And then it's just for the Ravens, it's a question of, do they cut him outright? and take on almost 18 million in dead money but still save over eight um or do they go with the the post june one cut which would save them 15 million but would throw about seven million into the next year's cap they they rarely have used the post june one caps uh cuts but i in this case i could see it i mean Taking tw- six million on the twenty-five, adding six million to the twenty-five cap doesn't sound so terrible if you can save fifteen next year. It's, I, I, I you're you know better in terms of those total dollars are kind of fungible, but but a twenty-four a twenty-four dollar is worth a little bit more than a twenty-five dollar because of its relativity to the total cap. So I, I, I buy into that. I just don't like the, the amount of credit card debt that gets piled up and then forces you into a decision that we would really not like as season ticket holders to, to the, that, hey, you know, we're so far underwater here. We have to we have to uh, uh, go through a rebuilding year. Yeah. And I mean, well, I will say that, you know, the only true rebuilding year they've ever had was 2002. And it was a fantastic season. It was a great year. Yeah. I mean, that and I think that was Billick's best coaching job. I mean, obviously, the Super Bowl year was special because of the way he handled all the adversity and, you know, the uh, it created the us against them routine. But um, I thought his, I thought he was at least just as good or better that next year. Um, and while they were, you know, they were in the playoff hunt until the second, the last game of the season, mm-hmm. uh, they were, well, they were eight and seven, I guess, at that point, they lost the last two. 
Um, so, and that was, that was a fun season, but, but not all rebuilding seasons are fun, obviously. So, um, but they're, they're pretty savvy. I, I don't know. In the NFL, you, I mean, I know some, it's not like, a, it wouldn't be like an Oriole tank kind of situation. It seems like in the NFL, you can come back pretty quickly. So it, the, the roller coaster parody, the NFL has seemed to work fairly well so far. And some of the things you've probably seen some of the stuff recently done by Timo Riska looking at uh, surplus value of first contracts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of the things really looks at the, the first four or five picks of the draft. The first, first number one pick in particular has a little bit less surplus value because there's so much, so many actual dollars attached to it. And mm-hmm. um, the failure rate on quarterbacks has been a little higher, higher. It's probably the Baker Mayfield effect. If you really want to break it down to where the, where the money was lost sure. but, or the Jamarcus Russell, you know, but anyway, uh, I, barriers to, to, to changing your tackle are so high in the combination of cap and draft capital. They would need, mm-hmm. um, are the Ravens already in a position where their number one pick has to be very strongly considered for offensive tackle regardless in two Oh two, three. Yeah, because, you know, it seems unlikely, even if they do bring Stanley back next year, it seems unlikely that he's going to, so that would be 24. He still would have one more year on his deal at 20 in 25, but, you know, by 26, he's going to be 32. And if he doesn't really turn a corner, you're probably looking at that guy stepping in. And maybe that's a guy that for the first you know, uh, first year maybe sits. Next year maybe he replaces. He plays right tackle and then moves over to left. Uh, for you know, after that, um, of course, it could be if Stanley's only here for twenty four and they cut him in twenty five or he retires, that you know that guy steps right into to the left tackle spot. But they have not obviously drafted other than first. I mean, draft they've not drafted a backup tackle early. I guess is I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Um, like meaning, in the second meaning, or like a second or third round tackle. Yes, and with that yeah, that would probably be the last one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've they've drafted first round guys to step right in, but mm-hmm. they have and then they've drafted sixth and fifth, sixth and seventh round guys, but they've never really um drafted and I think I said that earlier, they've never really had that swing tackle, that young guy who didn't cost you a lot. And but can play both sides if need be, and you know can play them well. Uh, they, they, you know, that 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 I know that's Macari now, but I'm talking about a no no offense to Patrick Macari, but you know a guy who's going to be a legitimate left tackle for sure. ten years. Well, yeah, I mean they they lost out on Staley in 2007. That was an enormous hit. Just drove me bananas on draft night just or draft day watching that mm-hmm. watching that happen because the 49ers jumped right up in front of them for the pick but the the uh uh they got jared gaither really cheap you know in oh, the yeah. supplemental draft mm-hmm. so that really held him and then gaither lost his freaking mind oh, you know, I know. again again for a second time you know and yeah. his whole career away um then they got eugene monroe and honestly when they picked him up that didn't really look like about it. he graded out pretty well early on in his ravens uh career and then he he fell off the table well and he just he just retired out of the blue uh, you know and uh you know after getting a big contract he just he didn't seem like he seemed like he got his money and that was that and <laughs> turns out he was uh you know go he was a, a forerunner of the marijuana business because that's that he that was one of his big things that he didn't want to take painkillers and there were other options 
Right. I think so he went into. I think he went into the business too. I think he was one of the early, early ones to get whichever state it was, whether it was Oregon or, or uh, Colorado. I think were the first two, but I think he was big. He became big in that industry. So, boy, my money would have been on Gaither for that. Yeah. <laughs> he was the guy. Okay. Anyway, we don't need to bash on old left tackles, but uh, uh, let's look at this transitional group really quickly, and then we'll uh, we'll call it a night here. J.K. Dobbins uh, leads off this transitional group. We talked a little bit about him in the running back things, but whatever contract he would get, incentive laden, probably pretty close to a vet minimum plus that. Uh, but the chances are, what? Just give me a percentage chance you think that Dobbins is a Raven in twenty four, and I'm going to write down mine also. Okay, I got mine. Um, honestly, I don't think it's real high from from my perspective. So I'm going to say thirty percent. Exactly my number as well. That's funny. so. So yeah, I I I think there, there's a couple of factors. I think that there is some animosity between Dobbins and the team. He probably you know I, I, he said some terrible luck, and he probably blames a lot of it on the Ravens, and maybe some of it is even the Ravens' fault for trying to get him out there uh, quickly, get him turned around quickly. You know, playing him in the preseason in the year he got hurt for the first time. Um, the other thing is there's a lot of running backs coming on the market this year. It's not a good year to be a veteran guy on the market. So I think that actually props up the chance. Slightly, which I, it might have been 15 without that. Right. Uh, but, but somebody will give him exactly that structure of deal. It well could be the Ravens. And uh, I don't think it would be a terrible deal for either side to have that occur. The Ravens actually kind of might be gambling on the potential to get a compensatory value out of it at some point in the future. It's, it wouldn't be much, but it, it's a little. Right. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I just, you know, as always, all seasons are interesting, but. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that room because they're obviously, um, if Mitchell can stay healthy and have a good, you know, he'll he'll be the lead back going in. But I don't know that you want him carrying 25, 30 times. So you're going to have to have, and, and I don't know how much he'll, you know, and if he is back in the second year of his deal, if he gets, you know, four or five carries, you still need somebody else. Um, are Dobbins and Mitchell too close in, stature you know in, in the way they play Edwards seems to be the better um complement mm-hmm. um or, or you know so basically I guess the question becomes are Mitchell and, and Dobbins too similar uh, of a player um and, and there's something there might be something to said for that yeah to, to me I, I would say they're not too similar I don't see them the same at all as receiving threats for example even well, as pass blockers I, I, Dobbins is much more a cutback right runner and and Mitchell is a pure speed runner with some power also that that I like uh I, th- I just I think they, they have enough stylistic differences the guy who, who they have to replace is is get a real thumper again mm-hmm. to replace Edwards and that's that's a lot easier projected than actually done finding that guy the veterans have all failed basically at it all the geriatric backs the ravens have brought in over the last few years so they've really they want a young guy who can who can carry the ball and then he's got to be able to not fumble and he's got to be able to handle the mesh point and that's that's a lot to ask right i agree Real quick through the rest of the names, Tykeem Doss is a guy who's a who's a first-year player. I, I don't have the same opinion that I do of Tayshawn Manning. I think Manning is the better prospect of those two. Melvin Gordon 
Harbaugh still seems to love him. He'll be a free agent. Josh Johnson, same thing. Sam Mustafer, a guy who I think has gotten kind of the short end of the stick, but uh, he'll be a free agent at the end of the year. I'd love if the Ravens could re-sign him for offensive line depth for, say, a two-year deal. He's played pretty yeah, well this yeah, year. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. I mean, he's um, – I know the reports on him in Chicago weren't very good, and the report mm-hmm. that some of that was fans, so, you know, they don't necessarily, uh, you know, get it. But, um, but yeah, I think he's, I think he's played solidly. Um, you know, a two-year deal close close to the veteran minimum with a bonus to you know jack it up a little bit. I, I think that that would be a good and that's you know just a solid veteran depth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Ryan. I mean, you're, they're going to have new guys at wide receiver next year, so I don't really see him around. Laquan Treadwell. I think if he didn't make it this year, he's not going to be back. Tyler Ott. He'll he'll either be here or he won't. And we talked about that earlier. Tylen Wallace will be in his fourth year will come to camp on the bubble. There's no obviously spot, obvious spot for him. Would the departure of Duvernay and Beckham say, and let's say Aguilar gets re-signed, be enough that Wallace or the Ravens would love to have Wallace around, which I think is the probably the more significant factor? Yeah, I think because, uh, because of the special teams play, I think they would probably keep him around uh, even in the fourth year. Um, but it also, you know, it depends on, you know, what, if, what are their acquisitions, as you said, if they have, uh, you know, their, their top three guys back, um, obviously you need some depth there, but if there's a, you know, draft pick that that's where his competition is probably going to come from. I mean, if he's fourth or fifth, uh, you know, that there's probably, it's probably going to come from, um, you know, that, that draft pick and you know, mid round draft pick or something like that. They have eight picks this year coming up. So you know, they've got some decent draft capital as far as that goes to, as we talked about a tackle or a backup quarterback or running back. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of uh, defensive linemen. So there's a lot of situations, uh, you know, that to be spread out, but so having, you know, having already having Wallace around probably, I, I think he's probably back. Okay. All right, fair enough. Scotty Washington, a tight end, they just picked up on the uh, on the practice. He's still an R or one guy, I believe. I don't think he's in his second year or anything. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, yes. Okay. And then Josh Wells has been around forever uh, as a guy they you know they're praying could play tackle if some real emergency came up. And then Owen Wright, who uh, you know played hard in the preseason, doesn't look like he's a answer at running back, and I I, I wouldn't see him as being part of the uh, multi year plan for for the Ravens no I mean he's a guy that they'll probably bring back uh, probably sign after the season um and you know whether he gets the practice gets the practice squad or not next year but you're probably right he's probably not a 53 man guy it's certainly okay. at this point and fully non-guaranteed in terms of whatever they'd be giving yeah. him. They, yeah yeah it would just be the veteran minimum it would be a second year minimum yeah Always great to talk football with you, Brian. And we never can get the show done quite as easy as <laughs> as quickly as we would like. But uh, that's because all the rabbit holes with you are so interesting. Tell folks where they can uh, find your work and talk football with you online. Sure. So uh, on uh, Twitter slash X um, at Raven Salary Cap, and my uh, stories uh, will will show up on Russell Street Report. Kind of the uh, dead time of the year for me, but. Once the season ends, hopefully not anytime soon, uh, we'll get our uh, our preseason preview out together, and and then we have updates as uh, as signings happen and things like that. And uh, another article I have to do is is uh, set uh, set up the dates so you know what you know when when this starts, when free agency starts, when the league year starts, when the, the franchise tag starts, and things like that.
All right. Outstanding stuff. And and as you know, I defer to Brian on the most important cap information at all. His tremendous understanding of all the nuances of it. I'll ask you one playoff related question here before before we sign off here. Are you one of the people who believes that it would be a bad thing for the Ravens to get the one seed because of this time off jumping into a more difficult divisional game? You know, I think it varies team to team and year to year. Uh, and, you know, and obviously it, it happened in um, 19. And, you know, they came out uh, not playing very well. Um, but we've seen other team, other other um, teams just roll right through from the from the first seed. So it depends on health and injuries. I would think that lessons were learned i would hope maybe that lessons were learned from 19 so if they did become the first seed um also i think the second seed could end up with a team like buffalo who while they obviously haven't played well this year i would prefer to avoid um but i believe if they would probably get in as the, at this point the last wild card because they're i think two games behind the the teams that are in, in the last spot or maybe a game. So that, that would mean two versus seven and seven would be the bills. I'd, I'd certainly prefer the Browns or the Steelers or the Colts to that. I, I would too. Of course, with the reseeding two will play seven, but then one might also play seven the very next week. So, sure. uh, you know, that's you're, true. you're, st- yeah, that's you're still at that's risk, true. but right. my, my big thing is I just don't want to see the number one seed, see the seed to, um, th- Kansas City again. I mean, they they just play right. too well at home. Uh, you know, so part of it's about you know, is there some risk of the Ravens? Well, maybe. I mean, they're zero and one. If you really consider that a large enough sample size to make your decisions based on this, right. and like you said, hopefully they learned things last time. But you know, the Chiefs are nine and zero at home with Mahomes, right. or or. 92-92. and they've never played a road game with Mahomes in the playoffs. <laughs> so that's so crazy. Just, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, uh, that's they, crazy. All right. Other folks out there, film study short. You know how to do it. Hit me up on Twitter with a DM. I really want to talk to you and hear about your idea. This is how I meet new people and create lots of hours of content during the year. Uh, Brian, thanks again, as always, for coming on. Absolutely. Anytime, Ken. Always enjoy. Always enjoyable. And we'll talk to you next time. All right. Sounds study. good. <laughs> American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.